0: I finally get the hang of this huh
1: yeah <laughs> episode 15 of the rush fancast, something for nothing it's Steve and Jerry hey Jer. hey Steve what's up not much good so um on the last podcast the last three they were pretty much a downer they were we
0: got some feedback from
1: people who said that it was pretty much of a downer
0: <laughs> but today it's gonna be an upper it's gonna be I was just gonna say that <laughs> today it's gonna be an upper
1: yeah, absolutely. Uh, we're going to do the first Rush album, simply titled Rush. The
0: eponymously titled first album. Yes,
1: not the REM album. No. <laughs> nice, you caught
0: that one. I, did, I did catch yeah. that.
1: But we're going to talk about Rush. But before we do that, uh, I want to let everybody know you can follow us on Twitter at Rush Fancast, Instagram the Rushcast, email jerry at therushcast at com. Mm-hmm. Our podcast is available just about everywhere, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podcast Addicts, Spotify, and Overcast. And Overcast.
0: Someone left a message, someone left a comment on Twitter, I think, saying, I am listening to you on Overcast. I'm the guy.
1: And it's just one person? I don't know. That's (laughs) what
0: Said something like, I'm the guy who's listening on Overcast.
1: I think his name was Jeff, right? Sure. I'm pretty sure. Thanks, Jeff, for listening on Overcast. And tell your friends and rate us on your favorite podcast app. We really appreciate it when you do that. And uh, as we like to do at the beginning of the podcast, Jar, is uh, Twitter polls. Twitter polls. Twitter polls. We should have a sound effect or something for Twitter polls. Yeah. We'll have to come up with something. Okay. Um, but this is going back maybe four podcasts, something like oh, that. Oh, boy. We did Best Rush Instrumental. We were talking about Test for Echo. I uh, love Villa uh, Strangiato. Next. Le- right?
0: <laughs> well, that's, that's, that's the answer, right? <laughs> that is the answer. Okay, thank do you. You want sorry. me to give you the choices? Yeah, sure.
1: The choices were La Villa Strangiato, YYZ, Leave That Thing Alone, Main Monkey Business. And they also allowed people to fill in the blank with their preference if they preferred something different. Did anyone? No. <laughs> <laughs> look- but h- how big a landslide do you think it was?
0: I don't know. YYZ is pretty, pretty good too, but yeah. um, I'm going to say 60%. 60%.
1: Sixty percent? You were close. Sixty nine percent. Wow. Sixty nine percent said La Villa Strangiato. And and I agree. You know, I of course I, when we were talking about it a couple podcasts ago, I said YYZ, but after thinking about it and after listening, yeah, yeah it's it's gotta it's be ins- it's an insane song. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah. It's so good. And I also have a correction. Uh oh. This comes to us from our good friend Lex, who provides oh, no. the base intros for us. He sent me a text with a correction. Oh jeez. And uh it was it was, of course, correcting me. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm so not so, yeah. I don't feel bad now. <laughs> <laughs> I said uh, when we were talking about virtuality on Test for Echo. Yeah. I said that modems don't exist anymore. Oh. And, okay. And he said I couldn't be more wrong. Wow. I and can't
0: believe that. First
1: of all, I have to correct him. I absolutely could be more wrong. <laughs> that's for sure. Uh, but he did tell me uh, a modem is a modulator demodulator. That's right. Yeah.
2: That's the signal from
1: your provider is encoded and decoded at your location using a modem. You have a box from your internet provider, either standalone or bundled with your wireless router.
0: Right. But what you meant was nobody's connecting directly to... To a modem and hearing that noise anymore.
1: That is what I meant, but yeah. that is not what I said. So, I guess. so Lex is correct in a in a cer- sure in a certain way. Splitting hairs, <laughs> splitting internet hairs. So anyway, there's a correction, and there'll be many more corrections, and I, I absolutely could be more wrong. Right, that, that I is ha- for sure.
0: Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Sure.
1: You'll agree with that. I'll
0: agree with that. I am also wrong many times. Obviously. Yes, that's true. <laughs> that was he agreed a little too quickly on that one. <laughs>
1: So anyway, uh, do we want to get into the uh, the first Rush album now, Jar? Sure. It was released March first, nineteen seventy four. I was m- five years old. I was five years old also. Before we get into this, I, I think did want three. No, I was born in nineteen sixty nine. Yeah, but your like- birthday's in September. Yeah, so I was four. Oh, okay. You were five. I was four. Yeah, right. What did I say? Four. I was four. You were five. I was four. Right. <laughs> we weren't online buying this record. Let's. Let's put it that way. Uh, Before we get into this, I did want to say, remember when we were talking about Test for Echo, I said- Vaguely. Bring yourself back to 1996 Uh and pretend you're a 16-year-old in 1996. Right. Now what I want you to do is bring yourself to 1974. You're a 16-year-old in 1974. Yeah. And you're hearing Rush for the first time. Yep. What's your reaction when you hear- Uh, These songs
0: for the first time? Just a huge- Ballsy rock and roll record. that's what Yeah, I, that's what I hear.
1: Absolutely, that's it. And I think the older Rush fans, the ones who are right around sixty, just the Getty and Alex's age, maybe a little bit younger. Yeah, this is their album. You think so? Yeah. Oh, I think so. Sure. Because it was
0: their first. It was the first introduction to Rush.
1: Right. And I think you know. And we were talking about Hold Your Fire also, and how a lot of people don't like Hold Your Fire because right. of the keyboards. Yes. I think the people that don't like Hold Your Fire, are the original Rush fans, the ones that started with these first three albums. Uh, it's such a departure to go from this to Hold Your Fire, I think.
0: True, but it's also a departure to go from the first Rush album to all the other Rush albums.
1: True, but it's incremental, you know? They incrementally change their sound I suppose. as they went along.
0: I mean, the the other, you know, Fly By Night On, it's a completely different band. True. Just the, the sound, obviously the complexity of of the arrangements and the lyrics and things like that.
1: Hmm. Anyway, I just thought that that might be some something to wrap our heads around while we're talking about this. Yeah,
0: I I would like to hear from people who have been listening to Rush since this first album.
1: There are people who have obviously, absolutely, yeah.
0: and but people who have listened to this album when it first came out and you know still continued on through Clockwork Angels. Wow, that would be in- incredible to hear that person's. Uh, you know, stories about all of the different albums and how they were received.
1: Well, maybe we can ask people to reach out to you via email. What was the email address again, Jerry? The rush, uh, the Rushcast at gmail.com. The rush cast, right. Yes. Reach out to Jerry. If you've been listening to rush since 1974, you're probably about 60. Right. Thereabouts.
0: And let me know, you know, about how you felt about their progression from album to album from the first one on.
1: And then we'll let our listeners know. Right. We can maybe even have that person on air. Maybe, maybe. Sure. Or People. Yes. You never know. You never know. So anyway, Rush was released on Moon Records. Yeah, Moon Records. Which was Rush's own label. Yeah. And I think, what was it, 3,500 copies they pressed or something like that? That's what like I found, 3,500 copies. 3,500. So imagine having a copy of the original Moon Records oh, release yeah, of I'll, Rush.
0: Yeah, that would be...
1: I wonder what that's worth.
0: I don't know, but the one article I read said that if you have a copy of it, don't sell it. Oh, but yeah. I don't know why. Well, it's it didn't probably say, worth something. It didn't say how much it would be worth it. Who knows? Things are only worth what people are willing to pay for them. What are so, you
1: willing to pay for a moon records? I don't know. Well, it that's ha- what it's, it's worth. to come up, yeah. Yeah. Maybe not just you, but, right. you know.
0: Rarity and interest equal, mm-hmm. you know, worth. That is true. Just because th- something's rare, if Man. nobody wants it.
1: <laughs> and Canada didn't really take to rush, did they?
0: No. Like I mean, what I read was that um, I think it was Getty who said that Canadian fans, when they would go see a like Rush as a as just a bar band, they'd be like, oh, how good could they be? They're from Canada. And they come down to America and they do the same thing. And the American audience is like, wow, these guys in this bar are great. Yeah. It's like a totally different- um, They didn't care
2: where they were from. Yeah. They didn't care
0: this where they were from. This just awesome. Yeah.
1: But interestingly, the album was released on Mercury Records in the United States and did very well thanks to a certain DJ in Cleveland. That's the story that we hear, right? That's the story we hear. Donna Halper.
0: She was thanked on the reissue, or I guess the the repressing, the Mercury pressing.
1: And what did it say? I forget Uh, I forget what the quote was from the band. Yeah, so do I. But anyway, she started playing Working Man at her radio station, WMMS. Right. And um, the rest is history.
0: It is, yeah. And did you know, speaking of, um, well, we weren't speaking of this, but speaking of it now, (laughs) the first, I think it was the Mercury pressings. They got the color wrong? It was another printing error? Yes. It came just like Corressive Steel. Just like Caress Steel. Came out magenta when it should have been red. Do you have it?
1: Yeah, I have it right here. It, you know, I kind of like the magenta. How it, it's,
0: it's almost how like is it, hot
1: pink, really.
0: Yeah. How is it possible, though, that it's still that color on that CD?
1: Well, the, I bought this CD a long time ago. Yeah, you didn't Jared. buy
0: it in 1974.
1: It's probably how 80 come? How come they didn't 87 correct it? Or something yeah, but why like didn't that? they correct it? I guess, why bother? It was pink, and I that's guess. how people knew the record, so why not keep it pink? I,
0: yeah, I guess so. But again, just like Caress of Steel. They never changed just, it.
1: Just fix it. I, I don't, don't know. know. I don't know why they didn't fix it, Jer. No I'll clue. I'm Rush reached 105 on the Billboard 200 chart, which surprised me. That's incredible. Me. That's pretty good, I think. It is. Right? Yeah. So with that, Jer, why don't we get into the record itself? Sure. And start with the first track on Rush, which is Finding My Way. Right. So, Jared, why don't you break down the lyrics for Finding My Way for Me? Um,
2: (laughs) Well, that's, I mean, that's
0: the the issue with this album. Not that it isn't a great rock and roll album, just lyrically, it it doesn't have a lot of substance to the songs.
1: Right. Which I was. Which is what I was getting at. Yeah, I but. know. You were trying to embarrass <laughs> me.
0: Um, it's the, the, what, what I read was that John was tasked with writing lyrics. John Rutzi, the, yeah. dr-
1: the original drummer of Rush, who we haven't mentioned yet.
0: Right. Oh, yeah. And he um, either didn't do that or he didn't like what he did. And when they got, came to the studio, Getty had to step in and write all the lyrics.
1: Pretty much immediately, I guess. I guess so. Cause Cause they only, it they, took they record them, the albums in a couple of days, right?
0: Yeah, and o- overnight too, like the the dead times of the studio. Mm-hmm. So uh, that would account for some of this, I suppose. Some of the the l- lyrics on this album.
1: <laughs> and by the look on your face, you don't love the lyrics, Jer. Do you? No, I
0: I don't. But you know, it the the music in many spots makes up for it. Oh, absolutely! A hundred times over.
1: So now this song, to me, I mean, Rush was compared with Led Zeppelin a lot. I don't get that. I don't get it either, but the ooh-yes, ooh-yes in this song, that's the part to me, the only part to me, that sounds a little bit like Robert Plant. Sure. A little
0: bit. A l- little bit. But only upon suggestion would it sound like Robert Plant. Like you wouldn't hear, I don't think you would hear it and be like, oh my God, that's Robert Plant. But if somebody said, hey, that kind of sounds like Robert Plant, you'd be like, yeah, I guess it does kind of sound like Robert Plant. But I guess a lot of people did think it sounded like Zeppelin.
1: Yeah, and they were heavily influenced by Zeppelin too. Yeah, of course. They went to see Led Zeppelin. I think I read read somewhere that Alex went to see Led Zeppelin and was right up front watching Jimmy Page and just in awe.
0: Yeah, I would be in awe.
1: Yeah, absolutely. But I don't think they were trying to sound like Led Zeppelin. Are you?
0: No, of course not. No. I don't think so at all. But you know, the interesting thing I found about this song is that all of the ingredients for Rush are... In this song, yeah. So you can extrapolate from this song to other songs on maybe the first, you know, the, the next two albums, right? Just the 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 heaviness, the the grooves, nice grooves in this. Oh yeah,
1: there's a lot of a lot of it's riff based and groovy. It's like blues rock based. This yeah. whole record, I this think. whole album,
0: yeah. But um, I don't know. It's just it's a really good song. Uh, the, the song is is crafted well. The way it kind of uh, fades in and just kind of crashes in right. after a while, and then you know fades back out at the end, doesn't it?
1: Not only does "Finding My Way" fade in, but "Take a Friend" fades in too. And I hate the fade. In. I hate the fade in.
0: We'll talk. You about, hate
1: the fade in of. I hate the. I I just don't like. I don't like fade outs or fade ins. I don't know why. I just don't. Well, here's here's my problem
0: in general that I've never. I and I didn't listen to this album the same way I listened to all the other albums.
1: And what way was that? Uh,
0: obsessively. <laughs> <laughs> I would listen to it, but it would be, you know, I, I didn't analyze it the way I analyzed yeah, all the other you know, albums.
1: Yeah, you know, you listen to the lyrics and you realize you don't need to analyze them really. Right. You know, look out, I'm coming. Whoa, whoa, look out, I'm coming. Whoa, yeah. Yeah. I'm running, finding my way back home. Yeah. So this song is, is about- You've done me no right. What is it? <laughs> you've done uh, I've been gone so long, I lost count of the years while I sang some sad songs. I cried some sad tears. What part are you looking? I don't know. Oh, was- you've done me no right, but you've done me some wrong. Left me lonely each night while I sing my sad song.
0: Yeah, okay. I mean, I don't know what to say. I, I, I'm not really slagging on the album. It's just, it's an odd thing to say that the first band. Album is a departure for them from all of their other stuff because how can it be a departure when it's the first one? Well, it's not. Right. It absolutely but isn't. When you look at the entire catalog, this one is the outlier.
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: So that's but, what I mean. But when, that
1: said, John Rutsey's playing is very, very good on this yeah, record. He's a absolutely. great drummer. He is a great drummer. Just in comparison to Neil.
0: Yeah, that's it, anybody, though. Right. I mean, any even, drummer
1: in comparison to Neil is pales in comparison. Yeah. But if you just took John Rutsey. Himself never heard Neil. Yeah, John Rutsey's a great drummer, he is a great drummer,
0: and there's no reason why somebody has to be compared to someone else. I mean, Neil is a fantastic drummer. People might compare him, people might try to compare, uh, you know, Keith Moon to him, but they're mm-hmm. totally different players, they don't play the same way. One can, and you might think that one is better than the other, that's a matter of opinion. Mm-hmm. But Rutsey is a, is a solid rock and roll drummer he's got he's got some good skills on this album absolutely and when i was when my brother my brother really isn't into rush and by isn't into rush i mean he just doesn't like rush um <laughs> you know beyond like tom Sawyer that kind right of stuff. right the radio hits
1: well, which I would say most people sure that's how they feel about rush right but which I, is better than hating them, i guess
0: I guess so, but you know I was so into them that after a while, I think I just wore him down. Oh, so now he listens to Rush? Well, he wanted to listen to Rush. He said, give me some of their albums. I'll listen to them. I said, okay, sure.
1: This is the one he likes.
0: I think I, well, yeah, I think I gave him, I don't know, the first six, seven, I don't know how many I gave him. And he came back to me like a couple of weeks later and he was like, man, I, you know, I really like some of that stuff. He's like, especially on that first album, he goes, Neil is great on that first album. (laughs) And I said, I said, that's not. That's not Neil. He's like, it's not Neil. I said, no, it's, it's, you know, this other guy, John Rutsey. And he was like, oh. So he didn't even know. He couldn't even tell.
1: Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, I guess if you're not a Rush fan and you're not paying that close attention. Yeah. I mean, John Rutsey's a great drummer. He so, is a great drummer. So I can understand that. Yeah. I Absolutely.
0: Found, I found a quote, Bill Banath. Can you pronounce this guy's name?
1: I have no idea. I've seen his name. He's done a couple of Rush books. I'm going to say ben- Banasewitz. Banasewitz. I have no idea. I know, I really should have. How do you find a pronouncer on that guy's name? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs>
0: anyway, uh, in his book, Rush Visions, he said, John was the guy who would bug everyone to practice and I think thought of himself as a rock and roller. I've said it before and I'll say it again. There would be no Rush without John. And I think that's
1: true. Oh, Absolutely. Sure. Yeah. He was. He was part of the formation of the band. Right. And they, he wasn't
0: just a a drummer for the band. He was in the band.
1: And I think Getty and Alex genuinely wanted him to stay in the band. Right. Uh, he just uh, because of his illness, he just couldn't couldn't tour like they had to tour to be successful.
0: Well, that's uh, another thing I read. The story kind of flip flops. It's it seems to be either his um, diabetes he couldn't control his diabetes on the road, which I'm assuming would be a very difficult thing to do. Well, sure. But also that he wasn't interested in the Prague direction that they were going in. Because by the time when John was still in the band, they had already written, or at least Alex had already written Anthem. Oh, really? I think so. Oh, wow. So, and he he wasn't really digging that kind of playing. He He was
1: more of a straight ahead rock and roll kind of guy. Yeah,
0: they just had different ideas of, where the band should go so.
1: so that combined with the fact that he was having a tough time touring yeah it was just time to part ways right
0: well it makes sense it does absolutely and i mean there's nothing there's no the thing with creative people i think is that they will uh, they want to do what they want to do he didn't want to play that kind of music so he didn't play it
1: right and I it's mean, understandable yeah it's understandable and if rush hadn't become as successful as they did no one would have an issue with it. I mean, but people probably look at it and say, oh, wow, he made a huge mistake. But he, pro- he didn't, really. No, I don't think so. He didn't. He did what was best for him. Right, what he wanted to do. Yeah.
0: It's, very, it's, a, it's the Rush way to do what's best for yourself.
1: Right. And Rush would have been a completely different band if John yep. had stayed in. They yep. may have been just as successful or successful, but in a different way. Right. Getty and Alex would have had to compromise with John on the direction of the band. Sure. And they may have done that. And it it may have turned out great. Right.
0: There's just no way to know what would have happened.
1: There's no way to know. Right. Well, there is a way to know um, what the second song is on this record, Jer.
0: Yes. Remind me.
1: It's Need Some Love. Getty is talking about love here, Jared. What is he referring to? What is, what is love a metaphor for? Uh, snuggling. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting,
0: getting close to your lady. I think
1: so. I think you've got it. Yeah. I think, I think we've so. got this yeah, song summed up. Yeah. That's basically, I'm running here. I'm running there. I'm looking for a girl. Yeah, he's looking for chicks. Because there's nothing he's, I need, nothing I want more in the whole wide world. Yep. He speaks for all of us, Jared. He does he, indeed. He really does. He speaks for me. And uh, again, on this, on this song, John Rutsey's yeah. drumming is great. I wrote that down. That's the thing that stands out for yeah, me. Yeah, I know. It does. Don't you think?
0: Yeah. And this is, I think, the most Zeppelin-y that Alex gets.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I would say so. But
0: yeah, I definitely think that, um, that Rutsey's drumming is, is crazy on this. And song. I
1: wanted to mention also on this record, what I noticed with the guitar playing is there's a lot of layered guitars on this record. A lot there of over a lot of overdubs, right, which you don't hear much on later rush albums, at least I don't think so. Uh, with, no, with well, guitars. N- Certainly not like this. Right. I mean, there's a lot of dual guitars going on here, yeah, as, you know, as if there are two guitar players, and obviously both are Alex. yeah, but they couldn't be re- recreated the same way live.
0: Yeah, I mean, who knows uh, if they wanted to you know recreate these songs verbatim live? and maybe as they went on they were like well we, we just want to make the songs live the way they sound on the record and we should kind of abandon the
1: right well i'm pretty sure that's what rush wanted to do they wanted to make sure this is later on yeah when they recorded a, a song they wanted to make sure that they could play it the same way they played it on the record yeah live right and if you use two guitars right. you can't do that i but guess on this record they weren't thinking of that i don't think
0: no, they were probably just so excited to be in the, in the studio, I would imagine.
1: Oh, yeah. Let's put more guitars on Let's there. Let's just, yeah. <laughs> and who knows? Maybe at the time they had a thought that they might get a, another guitarist. It's possible, right? It's possible. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe Alex thought, well, you know, we'll eventually get another guitar player and he'll be able to play these parts. And, right.
0: And then... I know that's what uh, Kurt Cobain wanted. He never wanted to even really be the singer. <laughs> really? Yeah, he thought he'd be the like a... Like the a rhythm second, guitar, like, guy? or maybe the lead <laughs> guitarist, but after I think uh, in utero came out, um, that guy Pat Smear mm-hmm. was part of the band. Right, he's in the Foo Fighters now, but he was a, he was part of the band. He was huh. the fourth member of the band because Kurt wanted more guitar.
1: Now, I would say this is this is one of the stronger songs on the record. I think. Yeah, I,
0: musically. Yeah, it's you know, great. Like, it's it's odd because for the most part, for every other podcast we've done, I've talked about the lyrics. Right. But now, I'm just—I have to talk about the music.
1: You have to. We're have forcing to. you to talk yeah, about I mean, the music. There's
0: really—I again, I—I I don't mean there are lots of rock and roll songs that aren't the deepest songs in the world, right? But they're still great.
1: Well, it, look, I've mentioned this before. You have to understand that Getty and Alex were 20 years old when they wrote this record, Jer.
0: 20 years old. Maybe some of the, maybe even younger in some of the songs, right?
1: Absolutely. At least, oh, I guess not, because could you have written lyrics better than this when you were twenty years old? No, I still can't. <laughs> so, you know, I, I give Getty and Alex credit. I mean, I think I think these are great songs for twenty-year-old kids to put out this album. Absolutely, it's amazing. Yeah, really is amazing. Yep. So, which brings us to track three, Jar. Another take amazing a, track. Take a friend. Take a friend. As I mentioned, I hate the way it fades in. I hate it. Do you think it was just a lazy thing where they couldn't figure out how to start the song or they said, wow, no, I think this would works. be really cool if it fades in? Yeah, I have no problem with it. Rarely do songs fade in. For, for good reason. <laughs> I mean, Why would you do that? But you don't like
0: fade outs either?
1: No. There's a, Rush out. song, there's a Rush song that is one of my favorite Rush songs in the world. Probably in my top 10. Are you going to make me guess it? That fades out? It fades out and I hate it. Hate the fade out. So you, well, what song is it? Red Barchetta oh. fades out. Oh, I, yeah. and you don't think about it because you hear them play it live so much that they have an ending live, and the ending is perfectly great, and it's awesome. The ending. Why not just? Why didn't they just end the song that way? It's so many songs
0: though fade out. You have a problem with like every, I do. I do every have a, song from like nineteen sixty three to nineteen eighty seven.
1: It's, it's unnecessary. To fade out. I mean. Why not not come up with an ending? I think it's just lazy. I don't know.
0: (laughs) I read read an article in, I think it was like a Vox article. It was in defense of the fade out. And? And What was the defense? The defense is that when they did some kind of uh, study that when people, when a song fades out, people tap along past the end of the song. Do you know what I mean? Like they're still thinking about the song after the song ends. You're still following the beat of the song. So
1: the fade out is to kind of leave the song in the listener's head longer?
0: I guess so. I don't know or maybe I mean it, they do eventually you have to think of an ending when they play it live. Right. So why not just think of it when you record it? I think it was it's just a stylistic thing. You rarely hear songs fade out now
1: because it sucks.
0: <laughs> it, I think it's just a trend. I think it's just a trend.
1: You know, I don't think there are many Rush songs that fade out. I can think of 3. This one, Red Barchetta and New World Man and the reason New yeah. World Man fades out is because Rush was just sticking it to the record company because they wanted it to be a certain length and they oh, said oh is that why yeah they just they recorded it and then they just faded it out so it ended at exactly that <laughs> that length we need we need 3 minutes and 46 seconds for this record so right. they made a 3 minute and 46 second song and instead of they just threw it together so quickly I think that they figured you know let's just fade it yeah ended at 3.46 and there you go F.U. Right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um i don't know the take friend th- This song is probably a little hint of proggy in there do you yeah think? just a just a, the tiniest little sliver of progness.
1: you know i may be defending your your theory of Uh-oh. of the fade out because this is the one song on this record that sticks in my head the other day i was driving to work i listened to this whole album and all day i'm singing take a friend in my head you think that's because of the fade out
0: uh, I don't know. Maybe it's just <laughs> on your mind. I don't know. Uh, you know, we always think of, of the things that bother us the most, right? Uh,
1: no, no, I don't dislike the song. I love this song. I just hate the fade in and the fade out. That's you all. You say the beginning and the end. Well, <laughs> the, I think it should have stuff. a beginning and an end. It right. doesn't, in my opinion.
0: It's a sandwich that you hate
1: the bread. Right. I like the insides. You like the insides. <laughs> <laughs> Well, this has a nice message, though, Jer. Take yourself a friend. Keep them till the end. Whether woman or man, makes you feel good. Yeah. So good. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, sure. Okay.
0: It's a good song. It is a good song. Again, you just can't think about it too hard. That's all.
1: Okay. Anything else about take a friend, Jer?
0: I can't think. I really <laughs> can't think of anything. I really don't know exactly what what this song is supposed to be about. Is it really just like having being like i don't think it's supposed to be about anything other than like friendship is rare like that uh that tenacious d song
1: i don't think there's any deep meaning behind it i think it's just getty needed some lyrics how about a song about friendship right and it's basic thing you know yes you need some advice well let me put it to you nice i said you need a friend someone who will stick with you (laughs) to the end and that's that's alex and there you you go and it's us I guess so. This could be our song, Jarrett. It could be our song. This is it. This is our theme song. That's
0: what every friendship needs, a song. (laughs) (laughs) Like it's junior prom.
1: Yeah, why not? Uh, Let's move on to track four on the self-titled Rush album, Jarrett. Here again. (laughs) This song is uh, is a bluesy track, is it not? It
0: is, and when I listened to it, you know, I hadn't, I hadn't listened to this album in a long time, but when I listened to it, I hear the White Stripes. Really? Yeah, because they're, they're not that, obviously that Rush was inspired by the White Stripes, but the White Stripes, their first couple of albums, right. have this kind of, the, the same kind of bluesy feel okay. as the first part of this song. Okay, so
1: that makes sense. Yeah, and I think the lyrics are a little better on this I, on this song, don't you think? That's what I,
0: I wrote down lyrically. This is probably the best song. Wow, and the solo is fantastic too. Yeah, why don't you hit me with some lyrics? Because I all did- right,
1: I, I actually have them on my computer screen. Okay, here. good. Um, you want to be from the beginning? I don't know. Hit me with the best part. Uh, I'd have to I'd have to think about what the best part is. So I'll just start from the beginning. I said I played this song so many times before that the melody keeps repeating. Growing new ideas, flowing chords and notes, like a mountain river bleeding. Yeah, there you go. That's, that's pretty good. interesting, yeah, that's good. Yeah. right? Yeah. Well,
0: I and say I like as... the way he sings it too. Oh a yeah, lot of, a lot of emotion.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I say as I look back, and all the thoughts I've had, they reflect just what I'm learning. Yes, you know that's the hardest part. Yes, I say it is to stay on top, on top of a world forever churning. Okay. Look, I think it's a good song. It's 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 um you know good slow bluesy. Yep kind of Rush song. Yeah. And it yeah. it's great. It is. Again, John Rutsey's playing's great. Alex's solo is great. Yeah, the solo is fantastic on um, this song. It's, it's just a really good song. And like you, I hadn't, I mean, I'd listened to this album recently, but this is one of those songs that I don't necessarily listen to. Sometimes I would skip over it, but obviously for the purposes of, of our podcast, I made sure I uh, thoroughly listened to this album.
0: Yeah, I think when I was was listening to it, Back in my early Rush craze, I was into the, you know, the hard rocking tunes.
1: Right. So this would be one that you'd say, oh, come on, man, yeah. I'm I'm, look- you know, I'm driving the car here, man. I'll, right, I don't I'm wanna- doing
0: 95 <laughs> in my Chrysler Cordoba.
1: The other thing I wanted to bring up, Jer, about uh, this album is when we were talking about Hold Your Fire, we brought up the ultimate classic rock list. Oh, yeah. That list of, I think it was 167 Rush songs. Yeah. And they listed them... From best to worst. And a lot of Hold Your Fire songs were at the bottom of the list. Yes. And a lot of Rush songs from the Rush first album are at the bottom of the list. Oh. And one of them is Here Again, which is 160 out of 167. Right. And Need Some Love, which he ranks second to last, mm. 166. The penultimate bad song. The penultimate bad song, according to this guy. And I got his name because I, I figured we should name him this time because we're. Yeah, why should not? We? Sure, why not? Maybe we should, you know what we should do? We should get this guy on the podcast to talk about this stuff. I think that would oh, be yeah. interesting. Oh, yeah, that's a good idea. Okay. His yeah. name is Ryan Reed. And look, like I said, if we made this list, we'd have to put a song at 167 also. Of course. But what I don't like Ty about it is, <laughs> let's not get it. Let's not get into that again. But what I don't like about the list is when you look at it on the Ultimate Classic Rock webpage, he really slams these songs at the bottom of the list, saying they're boring and- you know, No Good, and he really huh. slams the songs. I mean, if you and I were making the list, we'd say, hey, you know, I like this song, but, you know, it's 166 out of 167. I got, yeah. I got, I got to put some song there. Some song has to be at the bottom. Right. Taishin. So you... <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, you're killing me. You're killing me. Anyway, this guy puts a bunch of songs from this record at the bottom of his list. Okay. And I don't know if
0: I would do that. It, what Do you know what the highest-ranking song is from this album? Do you look that up?
1: I did not. I did not. But I know uh, the last song on his list was In The Mood. The very last song. The very last song on his list. The worst Rush song, according to this guy, uh, Ryan Reed. Hmm. I don't know what credentials he has. He may have very many credentials as far as I know.
0: Uh, Probably as many as we have. Way more than we have, that's for sure. Maybe.
1: But he's not a big Rush fan. I mean, I think he's a Rush fan, but he's not a huge Rush fan. Because a huge Rush fan, I don't think, would call... 10 or 12 songs at the bottom of his list, boring. Yeah. See, boring is not a word I would use to describe a Rush song. No, no. Not at all. Not at all. I mean, you may not like it, but it's not, it's boring. not boring. It's not boring. It's not boring. Right. Now, we may be boring. That's a whole. That's a whole other yeah, story. that's a whole other story. That's a whole other story.
0: And I will be at the bottom of someone's list somewhere. <laughs> for something. Somebody's list.
1: So, Jared, that's the end of side one of the debut Rush album. Anything else to add about side one before we uh, wrap it up here?
0: Um, no, uh, not particularly about side one, but, uh, my daughter, my oldest daughter, she's 18 now. This is her, like her favorite Rush album. Really? Yeah. She hasn't listened to all of them yet, believe it or not. Well, which ones does she listen to? She's listened to, I guess, all of them up through, um, Moving Pictures. Okay. No, Signals. No. No, Grace
1: Under <laughs> Grace Pressure. Grace Under Pressure. Okay.
0: And she loves this one. Uh, and hemispheres really. interesting. these are her like top two,
1: wow, and there so. are a lot look, there are a lot of rush fans out there that this is one of their favorite rush albums, yeah, and I can understand that. It's not yeah. one of my favorites. If I had to rank all the rush albums, I'd probably put this one near the bottom, yeah, not because I don't like it again, I don't you know i I don't dislike any rush albums, but if I've got to put one near the bottom because this to me isn't the rush I fell in love with, you know, yes. So I what I was getting to at the beginning of the podcast, if this was the first album I had heard, maybe I'd feel differently. Yeah. But as you know, we we uh, saw them on the Power Windows tour and the Power Windows album is the the album that I got into first. Mm-hmm. And this album is such a departure from that, even though we can't say that, as you said. Right. Yeah. I just did anyway. <laughs> and um, that's why it's not one of my favorites. I still like it. Yeah. But it's not at the top of my list. That's no. all.
0: And I mean... Um- getty and alex it's
1: not at the top of their list either
0: right but how many how many shows have they ended with either in the mood or working man
1: i think i think they really like working man they,
0: yeah getty i read getty it's his favorite song to play
1: yeah so well the crowd reaction too i mean that's that's the song that that started rush really yeah that's the song the song that made them break through yeah so i can see him having an affinity for that for sure Something else I wanted to mention, Jer. Yeah. This was just announced that we're recording this in November. Getty Lee's big, beautiful book of bass. Nice, nice book. Three more signings. Really? Where? Happening next week. December 8th in Pittsburgh. Okay. At Barnes & Noble. Not going December to Pittsburgh. December 8th is a Sunday. Okay. December 9th in New York City. Wow, really? At Barnes & Noble. That is a Monday. Oh, Not man. sure what time. Probably in the evening. Yeah. And December 14th, in Halifax, Nova Scotia Wow! at a bookstore called Indigo. Mm. I would like to go there. Yeah, I've been to Nova Scotia. It's nice. That would be cool. But we live in New Jersey. That's true. We could go to the Barnes & Noble signing. Well, yeah, we should though. We should. You already have the book. Yeah, I know. You already had it signed.
0: <laughs> I know we had it signed. To, it was the first stop of his book tour.
1: In New Jersey.
0: I think it was the first one ever. Right. It was in New Jersey, yeah. Yes. And we got our books signed there. So you're
1: going to buy another book. Yeah, And you're going to get Getty to sign it again. Sure. Just so you can maybe try and say something else to Getty? Yeah.
0: (laughs) I think that might be it. I think that's what I'm going to do.
1: You know, the interesting thing is I know exactly where this Barnes & Noble is. It's on Fifth Avenue. Yeah. And I work in New York City, and I walk down Fifth Avenue every morning on the way to work, and I walk by this Barnes & Noble. And the interesting thing is I walk by there at Jeez, about 6.30 in the morning. I get up early to go to work. Right. And when there's a book signing, I see people lined up at 6.30 in the morning. okay. And on December 9th, when I walk by, I'm curious to see how many Rush fans are going to be out there at 6.30 in the morning. And now maybe that I've mentioned it on this podcast, our New York City listeners are going to say, geez, I better get out there early.
0: Now, why would, why would Now, when we got our book signed, we, uh, bought them online beforehand, which basically reserved our space. Yeah. Online. I don't,
1: I don't know how Barnes and Noble does it, but I know that there are people out there with chairs hanging out. When I walk by, I don't know what time they get there, but at six 30, they're out there. If that's the case, we're, we're never getting in. <laughs>
0: we won't be able to get there until after I don't know. I don't
1: know if everybody, I don't know if everybody gets to go in. Maybe they just want, I, that's the thing for a book signing. Do you have to be first online for a book signing? I don't know. There must be a, a, a cutoff, though. I guess the interesting thing about it is when when I go by, I'm always interested to see who's going to be there. Sonic. who's getting up at six thirty to meet Billy Idol? Yeah, you know, Billy Idol was one of the guys oh, signing really? books. And I'm thinking to myself, do you really need to get up at six thirty for <laughs> Billy Idol? I mean, I like Billy Idol. Don't get me wrong. Right. But I'm not getting not up that at, much. I'm not getting up that early and to sitting meet, out in the cold to meet the guy who wrote Dancing with Myself. Whatever the book was called. Is no. that the name of the book? No. <laughs> it sh- it should have been, though. Anyway, I thought that was interesting. I don't know. I just figure you could probably get there five minutes before the book signing starts and still get to meet Billy, don't uh, you think? He, oh, maybe. Yeah.
0: Such a man. We're going to say Getty. I don't
1: know about that.
0: I did see uh, Kurt Vonnegut there once. He oh, had yeah? a book signing for one of his books. It was, a, it was a book signing, but he had signed all the books beforehand. What? I don't know.
1: And they just handed you one.
0: Well, he you did he, he at
2: least hand it to you? Uh, no, <laughs> <laughs> he gave he
0: was he gave some kind of like speech or some kind of whatever in this big room, right? I guess the downstairs. I can't remember. It was at okay. that. It was at that Barnes and Noble. Okay. And afterwards, you could just buy the book, and he had signed them already, which I thought was weird. I thought for sure that we yeah, were gonna... at least
1: at least you should be able to get face to face with the guy and say hello. Yeah, which is what you get to do with Getty, which is right. great.
0: But Vonnegut was a notorious crank.
1: And had you said anything to him, he probably would have
0: just blew smoke in your face and laughed at you.
1: And for those of you who haven't gotten your book signed by Getty yet, he does personalize it to you and he will, you know, say a few words if you talk to him. Yep. It's cool.
0: What did you say to him?
1: I just totally froze, Jar. Did you? Totally froze. I don't even remember what I said. Mm. Something like, "I thanks for signing the book or something stupid <laughs> like that. You know, this is my moment. Your what did moment. I say? Thanks for signing the book, Getty. Yeah. That's probably what I said. What I asked, did you say?
0: I asked him uh, how his hand was feeling because we were <laughs> near the end of the line. It had been like an out. Was it like an hour and a half? Yeah. Of just him signing, 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 signing. It was like it was like a like a conveyor belt of books. People just they would take your book, he put it in front of Getty, he would sign it. Some some people might say something, but it was like you know, ten seconds a person, and uh-huh. he had been signing books for an hour and a half like that. It was like a 800 a thousand people or something like that there and so he looked pretty weary by the time we got there so he was signing it and i'm like how's your uh, how's your hand holding up getty <laughs> and he was like oh it hurts oh wow and
1: that was it so he got a reaction and I got of it, uh, yeah. yes
0: he looked at me and he shook his head and he said oh it hurts that's great <laughs>
1: that's awesome so next anyway, time what, i'll think of something better to say. yeah so what i think we should do is if you're going to be at this book signing in new york email jerry let us know if we're going to be there, we'll let you know, and maybe we can say hello. Yeah, okay. That would be cool. Yeah. Or if you're going to be waiting online at 630, let us know. Save and us a the spot. I, when I walk by, <laughs> I'll say hello, and then I got to go to work, <laughs> and maybe I'll see you later. Yeah. That's the way it'll work. But with that, Jer, why don't we wrap up this podcast, a little bit shorter than uh, the Vapor Trails one, probably because we weren't delving into the lyrics so deeply. Yeah, that's true. But again, you can follow us at Fancast on Twitter, Instagram, The Rush Cast, email Jerry. The Rushcast at gmail.com. If you're sixty years old and uh you're a Rush fan and this was your first Rush album, seriously, email us yeah. and let us know. Tell us your story. Sixty one we, even. Or sixty two. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, people who are Getty and Alex's age, what are they, sixty five now? Possibly. Thereabouts. Those people, when this album came out, they were youngsters. Yeah. So there are some sixty something Rush fans, people headed toward retirement. Yeah who grew up on Rush. Yeah.
0: And we want to hear from you. Yeah, this, uh, this album definitely fits in the, the pocket of 70s rock and roll.
1: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So, Jared, I put you on the spot on all the other podcasts, and uh, you haven't come through, I would say, the past three podcasts. No. And I, I'm going to put my money on you not coming through again I'm this I'm not co- coming through on You're this You're not coming one. through? Why I'm not? I'm so
0: sorry. Oh,
1: God.
0: You're not going to give me a quote? I can't, no.
1: Why not? Just because you don't like the lyrics on this album?
0: Yeah, I mean, you could just uh, you could just <laughs> choose the the past three. You know, when we were talking about vapor trails, Whoa. I was just so distracted from the the somberness of the entire um, exercise that I didn't even uh, pick out something. But now, why don't, why don't you just pick out a ly- just randomly?
1: Randomly? Yeah, randomly from, from one of the one of the songs we just did. Yeah,
0: do the the fourth line from the third song the oh the
1: fourth line from the third song yeah well it's it's take a friend oh, okay take a friend yeah and i already read it yeah. take yourself a friend keep him till the end whether woman or man it makes you feel so good there you go perfect so good talk to you soon all right bye